Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am thrilled to have William Stillman back on the show. William has been dubbed the autism whisperer by talk host Frankie Picasso for his innate ability to understand and interpret children and adults on the autism spectrum. Lisa Jo Rudy at about.com's autism moderator has said, William, Still- well, William Stillman is one of the few who can translate the workings of the autistic mind to the neurotypical community. And Another person, Kelly Jaden of Internet News Outlet, stated, William Stillman dares to go where few have gone before. Without a doubt, he is the forerunner of the beginning of a movement which will alter the development and nature of mankind. William is also a psychic and a medium and so many other things. And you can go into his bio and read about all the things that he's been involved in and all of his beautiful books. But today I really wanted to talk about your work um, in autism. And I have your book right here, The Soul of Autism. And I know the other one is The God Connection. And so thank you so much for coming on the show, Bill, and, and talking about this very important subject. Thank you for having me, Marla. It is always a great, great delight and a true pleasure. <laughs> and you're such a lovely gal. So uh, I appreciate you uh, having me back. And I agree. We, it's, you know, we, we want to hash this out and talk through some things about uh, autism and maybe spirituality and how the two are uh, oftentimes interrelated. Huh? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that for, for our first question. I know the for name of the first chapter in this beautiful book, The Soul of Autism. The first chapter is The World Needs Autism. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and you know, I think uh, at the time, well, it probably still is a rather controversial way to kick off a book by saying, you know, the world needs autism (laughs) when uh, there have been so many uh, stringent and valiant efforts to try to prevent autism from happening, God will always find a way to keep us humble and to slowly but surely have great influence on us. And the world needs people with differences in it to keep us focused on what's important, to humble us. Oftentimes, we're talking about folks who are the teachers and the mentors and parents and siblings and extended family are the pupils, if we can see it that way. I've had so many people, parents over the years, you know, I've been, in addition to being on the autism spectrum myself, I've been working in the field since um, 1986, 87. So it's, you know, about 35 years. And I have had so many parents over the years tell me 
I am a better person. I'm a better human being for parenting a, a child on the autism spectrum, if you can imagine it. Now, that's not to you know suggest that it's all you know sweetness and light and you know jumping up and down for joy you know every day because it's not at all. But it has been a learning opportunity, a learning process. People have told me, you know, we've connected to amazing people that we wouldn't have known otherwise if it hadn't been for my son or my daughter. Sometimes families have more than one child on the autism spectrum, you know? Yeah. And uh, these are, this is a community of, of families that have um, united and found a voice. And that's a good thing too. And they've been advocating on behalf of their, their children, their teens, their uh, adult children. And uh, this is important stuff. Well, I think with, and you know much better than me, but with the autism rate just skyrocketing, you know, in this, in this world, I truly believe it's a message from the universe. It's like, what is the universe trying to tell us? And as you say, more empathy, more compassion. I actually um, suggest to my readers, and this will be in the show notes, um, there's a documentary that's out and it's called That Which Holds. And Bill was featured in it um, quite a few times. And the first quote, um, it says, this documentary has been created in the context of a pandemic when the whole of humanity has been forced to stop and reflect. This moment is an opportunity to transform old structures and thus sensitize ourselves towards empathy, the main objective of this work. I just thought that was just so beautiful. And then it does start with the quote from Gandhi, our ability to reach unity and diversity will be the beauty and the test of our civilization, Gandhi. So what I suggest you watch this documentary because I just watched it this morning and it is, it's amazing with parents on there and experts and all of them. So let's talk a little bit, something I was really intrigued in the book are some of the stories about, and if you don't remember specific stories, that's fine, but the spiritual intuitive characteristics that these, I'm going to, we can talk about children, we can, but that, that these children exhibit. Yeah. Well, you know, for them, and you know, I've known these folks intimately for years now. <laughs> I used to, I used to kind of uh, facilitate a meeting group for a long time of folks who didn't speak, but would have keyboards or other devices to communicate. For them, Everything that fascinates us with regard to the spiritual, it's, it's normal, not paranormal for them. Right, right. You know, it's natural, not supernatural for them. So much of it, Marla, comes of, and I want to be really clear to our, our listeners and our viewers that uh, I'm not talking about all people on the autism spectrum. I don't presume to represent all people. And I've had some people on the autism spectrum like really call me out for that too. When I've been really careful um, about not 
intending to uh, speak on behalf of all people with autism. But I, in my opinion, and based on my personal experience and observations, people on the autism spectrum, especially those people who appear to be you know, significantly impaired and aren't wired for speech, they are the most likely to be predisposed to naturally accessing what we would think of as spiritual gifts and talents. Yes. Because they live in silence. They were born into silence. And so, uh, but with an intellect that's intact, and that is so important to understand. And so who else, who else spends that kind of, you know, ab absorbing amount of time in, in thought? Well, I, I think of, you know, the nun, the monk, the yogi, the guru, the rabbi, you know, people who deliberately, consciously devote time to prayer and meditation with the object of strengthening their connection to the source of our creation. Yes. Well, those people at some point made a decision to enter into that way of life. The folks of whom I am speaking were born into it. So it comes to them completely naturally. And so for them, it's not telepathy, it's communication. To them, it's not, you know, clairvoyance. It's just, you know, this natural day-to-day -day ability to have, you know, precognition for things. And um, for them, because it, it's so normal, it, it's almost average, they don't really give it a second thought, to be mm -hmm. honest. And for a lot of the folks uh, whom I was, uh, uh, with whom I was friends and, for whom I've you know, facilitated interactions and so on. It's not their priority. Their priority is really advocacy, you know, civil rights issues, right. um, championing educational needs and higher education and so on. Yeah. So for them, it's all just kind of a natural byproduct of this kind of heightened sensitivity. You also have to remember, people with autism, and it's one of the criteria for uh, being diagnosed as autism is a hypersensitivity to external stimuli that would be assaultive to the senses. So we're talking about folks that are, you know, buzzing and vibrating at a frequency higher than the typical person. So it's kind of, it makes sense. I mean, if you understand <laughs> Right. It, spirituality and spiritual giftedness, it kind of makes sense that they would be among the people predisposed to tapping all into all of that very naturally. Yeah. Bill, did you tap into, did you have invisible friends and, and see angels or, or those sorts of things when you were a kid? No, but um, well, you and I have chatted previously yes, about um, your child. Uh, I uh, ha had some rather nasty things uh, try to uh, get a hold of me mm -hmm. instead. Um, and that has also happened to a number of my friends with autism as well. You know, there's always going to be some of that negative energy that's going to want to take you down and cause you to become undone and prevent you from manifesting all that you can be. Right. But that's true of everybody. Yeah. And what 
do you suggest to, well, we're kind of getting off the subject now. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but there are ways to combat that and go towards the positive. And I'm sure you have some of that, that yeah. in your book too. Yeah. Just prayer. Prayer. Nothing. People yeah. always say to me, well, should, you know, should I buy crystals? Should I use holy right. water? Should right. I sage? Right. And I always tell people, I, you know, I'm never going to discourage that, but bottom line is nothing, nothing trumps the power of prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I have a little story here about um, a three-year-old who had autism that was in your book, um, Lisa's son, Taylor. I don't know if you remember this, but from the time he was a baby, he would look to a spot in the air and laugh. Later, at about three years old, he started talking about Jesus. We never even went to church. He was never around talk of Jesus or God. He would talk with Jesus and see angels all the time. He's now age nine, but just last summer, he asked, do you really not see the angels? Last year, he told me how sad he was for me that I never saw Jesus or talked to him. He lays his hand on us when we are hurt, and he prays for us. The little boy has blown his mother away, and he keeps. she keeps thinking, if he doesn't talk to Jesus, how does he know these things? Once and when I was stressed, he put his palm on my cheek and said, shh, be quiet. Let Jesus fill the air. I just thought that was so, so sweet. Isn't that stunning? <laughs> it, it's so <laughs> amazing. And then it goes on to talk about the connection with animals too mm -hmm. and how you know there, there's really this special connection with animals so parents who are are living with an autistic child what do you suggest to, to them um as someone who lives you know lives with autism yourself you suggest to them to to celebrate their child of course which they all do but other little messages to celebrate these beautiful beings just pay attention, pay attention. Um, it's very important. You know, my motto has always been presume intellect. Yes. So don't allow anyone to tell you that your child is defined by um, an IQ score because right. uh, use that to get you what you need, <laughs> but uh, then disregard it entirely <laughs> mm -hmm. because yes. it's not, it's not the truth of the, the emotional and the spiritual intelligence of the individual within. Um, but pay attention, be very careful of not um, bombarding someone with therapies and be very careful about not sending the message that uh, you're broken and you are in dire need of repair. Right. So any kind of education, any kind of therapy should always, in my opinion, should always be done naturally within the flow of typical daily events and routines so that it is invisible, so that it is invisible and that it's part of what the family would already be doing anyways. There's lots of ways to do that. And also make sure that you sing everything. <laughs> Make, make music part of everything. Yes, because I have known people, you know, it's very much like um, folks with dementia and Alzheimer's, you know, I've known people with autism who couldn't couldn't speak a word, but could sing 
beautifully. You know, and that's that's a way in. Yeah, that's know? that's really beautiful. I would I would think that not many know that. You know, my my kids went to the Waldorf school mm-hmm. and they the teachers in like pre-K and kindergarten, they would whenever they wanted them like to do something, they would they would sing it to them, you know. And it was so sweet. And boy, did the children really, really listen to that. And just like what we're talking about right now in the autism scale, they, they, you know, young children, they vibrate at a different, at a higher level, a different frequency. So how, how the singing can, can really help that. So how do you bring music into your life? I sing a lot. <laughs> nice, nice. I sing a lot. I'm I'm all for singing because I think um, you know even if you're not very good at it, it's it's a cathartic release. Oftentimes, Absolutely. you know, and to sing at the top of your lungs, to sing in the shower. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know? But where uh, you know, I don't think that's exclusive to kids with autism. I right. Think it's, you know. It, pretty much sums up just children in general they're they're much closer and much more familiar with having been a soul than they are being in human form and so i think probably music is more familiar to them because it's the language of spirit it's the language of soul and it's a universal language you don't have to know words you just you know, you just vibrate with the emotion and the energy of the, the notes. Is that one reason you think that, um, that these children also connect with animals so well? Because I know I, when I watch my, my two animals at night, Labradoodles, they, my daughter and I are just amazed because we can just tell that they're seeing spirit, you know, they'll just look around and they'll, they just kind of are, because obviously they're, they're operating at a a higher frequency or a different frequency than we are. So is that the reason that you think that that happens also? Well, the, the animals live in silence too, for the most part. Yes. So they're also engaged in this sort of perpetual meditation and they are also um, plugged in to uh, a direct line of communication in the way that someone who doesn't speak is as well you know so I often think that even when animals are uh, suffering or they're in very distressing situations I I have to believe that there is some force there communicating to them, talking them through it, trying to calm them and soothe them and so on. Right. Oh, I love that. So part of, in, in your book, um, you state, and, and I've heard others actually say this, that some believe that in a few decades, if not sooner, there'll be more autistic people than non-autistic. And you mentioned the Bible Beatitude? Is that how you the, say that word? Beatitude, the, the meek shall inherit the earth. Yes, yeah. blessed are the yeah. meek for they shall inherit the earth. Yeah, interesting. Well, I think that's, I think that's been circumvented a little bit because I, I believe it was in 2012 that the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders, which autism is not a mental illness, but it's included right. in there. Well, it was revised. 
And so it did away with all of these um, subcategories of autism that had been included at one point in time. And so it did away with Asperger's syndrome as a diagnosis, believe it or not. It did away with childhood disintegrative disorder. It did away with pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified. It did away with Rett syndrome. And so everything is now just called autism disorder. And I really don't care for the word disorder, to be honest with you, but um, because it, you know, immediately connotes that something is terribly wrong. Right. And it's kind of offensive, but it's a clinical term, you know, but, um, and so I, I'm wondering if there wasn't, if that wasn't a political move in order to um, prevent uh, insurance companies from hemorrhaging uh, in order to um, curtail the perception that there is an epidemic of autism, you know, because I, I haven't been, I, you know, I, honestly, I haven't been involved in that whole realm for, um, for some time now. I've kind of uh, segued into other things. So I haven't been keeping current with the statistics around the incidence of autism, but I would be willing to bet that it's leveled, leveled out as a result of that. Interesting. And so if it had not been changed, and there were other ways in which you were eligible to be autism adjacent, I'm wondering if we wouldn't still be seeing those statistics increasing. Right, right. Well, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. So you you touched on this a little bit earlier, but how have you seen, um, specifically with the children, how have you seen these kids transform families, friendships, lives, and what do you feel are the greatest lessons we can learn from those living with autism? Hmm. Well, again, I think the lessons to be learned are certainly for uh, you know parents, grandparents, siblings, uh, educators, members of the community, just you know patience, compassion, advocacy enhanced awareness, yeah. I've done, I think, 10, 10 special needs parenting books now. So the, the, the three spiritual books are only uh, a small piece of all of that. So um, yeah, people, uh, we need to be able to create opportunities, um, educational, vocational, romantic, opportunities mm-hmm. for people with different ways of being in the world. Absolutely. You know? And it just brings, I know I have a um, nephew, as you, as you know, that is, has, has special needs and it just brings so much compassion and empathy and love, pure, authentic sacred love into the family. You talk about in the book, um, spiritual reserve and the divine byway. And I can, I can grab the information from the book if you'd like for me to, because you give eight practices that you talk about in your book with kids. And, you know, this is really for, for everyone 
but um, what do you mean when you talk about spiritual reserve? When I talk about spiritual reserve, what I'm talking about is just a heightened awareness and an expanded consciousness, Marla. It's not rocket science. It's just a matter of being aware, being awake and aware, paying attention to what is going on around you. Too many people have their faces in with their wrist in the air and their faces in a cell phone screen, and they are missing everything that's going on around them. And so the spiritual reserve is, you know, paying attention to the the blossom on the, uh, a bush that you're passing, paying attention to the snow that's falling outside or the, the singing of the birds or the gorgeous, you know, coral colored sunset, paying attention to those things and acknowledging them, uh, expressing gratitude for them. And the more you're doing that, the more you are contributing to, in, in my opinion, this spiritual reserve that you have yes. within yourself. It's like making deposits into the bank. And then when you need to make a withdrawal, there's enough there to draw from without you know, hemorrhaging all of the reserve, you know, withdraw little bits at a time when you need to be resilient, when you need to be strong, when you need to be advocating on behalf of yourself or others. That's what I meant by uh, spiritual reserve. And, and just a quote, an, another quote from your book, C.S. Lewis, in terms of talk, talking about the spiritual reserve, but this was in Chronicles of, Chronicles of Narnia. And this is after you, you've done one of those things that you just mentioned, or you live, that's the way you live. And the memory of that moment stayed with them always. So as long as they both lived, if ever they were sad or afraid or angry, the thought of all that glorious goodness and the feeling that it was still there quite close would come back and make them stop or make them sure deep down inside that all was well. I just thought that. And you know, so I, I was actually thinking about that concept this morning. You know, I have had such a ridiculously blessed and outrageously privileged life in so many ways. I, I feel guilty about it at times because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I really went through a, a very protracted, um, very difficult um, years in my youth, uh, but that's behind me now and things keep growing and getting bigger and better. And I, you know, don't always feel worthy of it. So I just stop to think, you know, if, if something should happen to me, if I should become ill, if I should become incapacitated, if I should um, have to leave my home or some, I can't complain. I have nothing to complain about because I have had such an amazing, beautiful life in this lifetime, in this existence. I, I can't complain about a thing. Which is so beautiful to hear you say because you did have a really tough childhood. I mean, a lot to get over, I guess. I almost took my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, yeah. that you've come tough. this far and giving so much back to the world. But when I think about who I am, and, and th that would probably make sense to me from a soul perspective, because I always like to get the hard part out of the way. I'm always the person that wants the bad news first, and then I want the good news. 
<laughs> so I figure, well, I probably signed up to like, let's get the hard stuff out of the way. And then, yeah. you know, maybe we'll coast for the rest of the right, time. I don't right. know. <laughs> so, well, that's an interesting question. Speaking of that with your incredible mediumship and psychic abilities, I've, I've had a few readings from you. you could just Could you just please comment on on your thoughts or what you've learned from the spirit world about planning our lives before we come to this earthly realm and why you feel that some do plan a life with certain disabilities and those sorts of things. I believe that the most advanced of souls are those who elect to be born into the most challenging of circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so I am always extremely skeptical of people who make a point of publicly stating that they are a very old and wise soul, because I think that those are the people who are actually very new souls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and oftentimes those very old souls aren't intended to be here very long in human form also. So oftentimes, as you know, they are teachers um, and uh, they are here to teach not only by virtue of their personalities and their passions and their interests and their connections to family members, but um, they are here to teach as a result of their absence as well. And I think that is such a, a noble aspiration to sign up for. And um, I've known people that have lost their children. And I know that this resonates with you as well. And um, it's you know very much a process, very much a learning process. I have, I have connected to souls of those individuals. Uh, they consistently say, well, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't supposed to be here that long to begin with. And oftentimes parents will say to me, oh my gosh, she had been saying that to me since she was a little girl, you know, that uh, you, know, you would say, well, don't you wanna tell your children about this someday? And the child would say, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna live to be a mother. You know that kind of right, thing. Right. So it's so fascinating that at some level it's already sort of ingrained in the human consciousness that I'm here to fulfill a mission. I'm on a <laughs> have a purpose to fulfill, and um, and then through through whatever means they exit. Right. You know. So I. That's an old soul. Yes. That's an old soul or an older or a more evolved soul that, it, that uh, is willing to make that kind of sacrifice. That makes so much sense. So in your book, you talk a little bit about the, for the listeners, Bill and I are both, he hasn't read the book for a while, so we're flipping through some pages. But I do the, wanna, it, it did win a national book award. I know actually, That did. one did. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very pleased about that because, you know, it's kind of a far, it's kind of far out concepts, you know, maybe not so much in this day and age, but right. when those books first started coming out, you know, 15 years ago, it, there, I had people tell me, 
I was so worried about you sabotaging your own career in this field. But then the information just exploded. I mean, everybody came out with their own stories and wow, you have, you've been such a pioneer in this and so many, so many other things. Um, but speaking of a divine byway, when you talk about the different things that people can do, um, you said it was necessary for me to create my own divine byway to attain authenticity and harvest the spiritual reserve to which I was entitled. For those readers feeling directionless in need of a compass or roadmap, you've laid out a few things to, to help them. Um, so could you, would you like me to review these or? Would you? <laughs> refresh my memory? I will probably refresh. The probably the first one has something to do with um, committing to uh, a higher power. Yes, that's I'm exactly thinking. it. Committing yeah. to a higher power. And you just jump in if you'd like to elaborate. I shall, thank you. <laughs> yes, daily prayer or meditation. Mm -hmm. I tell people, you know, do you have do you have five minutes a day to yeah. spare for God? <laughs> do you have five minutes right. for God? And you and they better say yes. <laughs> and you know, I don't care. I don't care if you call it God. I don't. You know, a lot of people don't use the word God. But right. People they the universe higher power, source, Wonder Woman. I don't care what you call it, but you have to. <laughs> You're Wonder Woman, Marla. But you, you have to, in my opinion, you, you have to acknowledge if you are building that spiritual reserve in the way that we discussed, you have to acknowledge that all of this that we're taking in around us, all we survey, it's not an accident. You know, it's not a happy coincidence. It's all by divine design. It was placed here deliberately. It's so fascinating to me that everything in nature, every creature, it all serves a purpose. Yes. You know, there's nothing on this earth that doesn't serve some sort of purpose. It's not random. Somehow, some way. And so we, we as human beings are not an accident. The human body, when it works, it's just absolutely extraordinary, amazing. It's like this, you know, self-sustaining robot that doesn't need to be plugged in or charged or anything. It just, you know, not in a, in a mechanical way, certainly. But we can plug in by establishing or strengthening or rediscovering that relationship with God. And again, as we were just discussing, expressing gratitude every day for all the gifts and blessings that we do have. So when things do go wrong, or there's an accident or a crisis of some sort, we are think are in a better position to sort of roll with it and go with the flow and still try to find a way to see the glass as half full. Yeah, yeah it's so true. When something very painful, you go through that, but just just remembering all the beautiful things that you do have to be to be grateful, which goes along with something I think is so important, random acts of kindness and holistic health. We've talked about that a little bit already. 
reverence for nature. And I'm such a big one on this for children. So let's let's talk about that for a minute. Could I back up just a moment? The Absolutely. Random acts, of, random acts of kindness could be as simple as seeing someone walking down the sidewalk as you're driving past them. And this person looks like they're having a really tough time. Or maybe they look appearance-wise, like they've had a rough life. And a random act of, act of kindness could simply be sending them good thoughts Interesting. as you're driving past them. I, I try to do that and I'll say, you know, God, please, please do something to lighten that person's load today. Please bring them a moment of humor and relief, you know? So it doesn't have to be that you are, you know, exhausting yourself, donating all kinds of time and resources to a charity. It, it, it's much simpler than that. Yes. Sending them that, that beautiful, positive energy. That's, and that's so important for, for people to hear that because many things think it has to be such a huge, you know, huge act when, when it doesn't. But um, to go through the rest, well, we did a little bit of reverence of nature. Um, I'll just read the rest of them. Visual, visualize prosperity. Acknowledge your spirit guides, mentors, and protectors. Yes. And so those those are them. So would you do you have any comments on on the rest of those? All of them so important. Yeah, I, I it's pretty far out that I mentioned spirit guides in a book about autism. <laughs> love that you knew what you'd be you'd be doing in the future <laughs> yeah I guess I guess so so let's um, talk a little bit about that. well there's a difference between a spirit guide and what I call a guardian so when I think of a spirit guide I think of a relationship that was established in the heavenly realm or our true spiritual home prior to incarnating so it was sort of a pact or an agreement that was made I think of the spirit guide like Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio, sort of like this little little <laughs> glorified it. conscience that's you know in the background, uh, sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle, mm -hmm. uh, trying to keep us on the straight and narrow path and to distract our attention to people, places, and things that serve our greater good. Also to serve as a muse, to impress us with creative inspiration. Yes. So a, a guide is not someone that has been known to us in this lifetime. But a guardian could be someone that we have known in this lifetime and who could sometimes function in the way of a guide. But um, a guide, I believe, is accessible to us 24-7 in the way that God is. I believe uh, guardians or the soul energies of people that we have known and loved are uh, also have their own things that they need to be doing. So they will, you know, pass through from time to time right. or in, in moments of great um, desolation and sadness or in moments of crisis may, may come in to offer us some sign or symbol or communication or dream of comfort. Nice. So in, in, in my way of thinking, there's a, that's the distinction. Right. And just trusting that. And like you said, bringing that in. 
and knowing. right and there's a there's a misconception there too people will say well why isn't my guide doing this or that and i said well you have to extend the invitation <laughs> you right. know unless it's a, a situation where you know it's you know becoming precarious or bordering on emergency they have a hands-off policy right you know they're not going to interfere with they're not going to interfere with free will <laughs> yes yes well what's so beautiful about all of this too is your knowledge from all of your your amazing mediumship and and psychic abilities to the that you're so in tune with with all of this you know i can be able to answer and impart this knowledge well marla i, I everything that i know i've learned from other people's deceased loved ones like it. that's that's how i know what goes on over there right it's, it's right. been the con, the consistency with which they've been communicating all of these things you know and i i believe that i've only been able to tap into the tip of the iceberg yes i i know there's much more beyond what i've been able to perceive or what they are willing to tell me because there are there there have been occasions when people's dearly departed have said well i can't tell you more than that right now yes, or yes, I'll, that has I'll, happened I'll, to me or i'll hit a firewall or something like that you know right so there's there's some really big and that's probably i'm sure that's by design because our, our little human minds probably just, we couldn't wrap our heads around it. <laughs> and I encourage my listeners to go back and listen to William's two or three other <laughs> interviews I've done <laughs> when we're talking more, more about your psychic abilities. Yeah. And I have an apology. I think I called you Bill some time throughout oh, this interview. That's, and that's I know fine. that, I know that you, you prefer William. So we need, we need to wrap it up. Um, I do love one of the quotes that was in the documentary, That Which Holds, please, please watch it. And the quote is, beware so long as you live of judging people by appearances, John de la Fontaine. And I just love that quote. So William- I want to, uh, yeah, Marla, I, I also want to just affirm that um, I was, uh, very pleasantly pleased and and delighted by that documentary also and i don't think it's very long i i, I don't no, recall it's like 50 minutes yeah it's yeah. but it's it's so brilliant and just oh. beautifully done and um just lovely just lovely yeah. and i and i believe that they do touch upon the spiritual connection in the right. in the documentary which they is do. kind of you know, a bold move and yeah. i wouldn't have found it except i went on your website and and I did, and this has got to get out there. Maybe it was just me that I haven't found it, but it's absolutely so important, such important information for everyone. So William, I know that once again, we've got to wrap it up, but your life is like crazy with beautiful things now and what's going on. Can you just tell us a little bit about about what you're what you're doing now what what takes up so much of your oh my goodness. A lot of your time well um i i i'm doing very little in the field with autism anymore but i still have my big toe in the pool so um, i'm still connected and i'm still doing a little bit of consulting work there um, but i've become so immersed in the the mediumship and the spirituality and i am so i find it so fascinating myself um, I have a 
a book that came out just a couple of months ago called The Practicing Psychic, and it is a Hippocratic Oath uh, Code of Ethics handbook for people who are just starting to maybe get into this line of work or are thinking that they have what it takes to get in. It's not a how-to book in terms of your psychic development. It's, it's um, again, sort of a nuts and bolts of the business aspect of it, but also, again, some some very um, profound tenets by which to hold yourself and your standards accountable. Yes. So there's that and um, just have been busy with events and uh, private sessions and so on. And I couldn't be more delighted. I love my life. I am blessed and privileged. And thank you, thank you, dear lady, for having me back on your program. <laughs> you are so welcome. <laughs> and and you, I would love for you to come back and talk about your new book at some point, but <laughs> give you a bit of a breather. So if people want to find you, how, how do they do that? They can find me at williamstillman.com. Uh, William Stillman Psychic Medium is my Facebook page. I also have a YouTube channel called William Stillman. And maybe someday we'll do a show about all of my... Uh, my treks to the Gettysburg battlefield. And there's a bunch of videos where I'm out there with histo various historians and um, they're ver verifying what I'm picking up. So that's kind of intriguing. It's so intriguing. I, you actually sent me a few of those. I watched I? all of them. Yes. And yeah. they're so fascinating. So that would be great. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Is there anything else you would like to, to add that I haven't asked you today? I would like to let our listeners know in, in keeping with the concept of the spiritual reserve of which we were speaking earlier, I just wanna tell people to always have faith in your faith. Have faith in your faith. There are people that I have told, you know, this, you don't need me. You don't need me to connect to your your loved ones in spirit. Just have faith in your faith. Recall a happy memory. Hold an object that belonged to them if you need to. And just be, be still, be quiet, and see what comes. Thank you, beautiful, beautifully said. Well, thank you so much. And um, you have a great rest of the day and, and you take good care of yourself. Thank you, Marla. You do the same. It's always, always a great pleasure. You're a lovely lady. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Right. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.